In today's episode of the HTC Broadcast, David and I talked to Eric Murphy of BabelQuest about developing an agency sales plan. Welcome, everybody, to the Agency Broadcast. I am your host, Alex Crum. I am a senior professor on the HubSpot Academy. And joining me today in the studio is... This is David Winehouse with uh, HubSpot Partner Team as well, in charge of partner sales and enablement. And our special guest. I'm Eric Murphy. I'm the founder and director of BabelQuest. We are a UK-based HubSpot Gold partner, uh, honing in on Platinum right now. And we are the very proud winners of the HubSpot Impact Award 2016 for sales enablement. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. There's an awesome story here to discuss. And before we really get down into what it was that got you guys to win that award and also some more information around your agency sales plan, I think we just need to learn a little bit more about uh, your agency's background. Hey, why don't we just start at the top? Why don't, uh, why don't Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about BabelQuest and your relationship with HubSpot? Okay, so we started as an agency around seven years ago. And two and a half years ago now, we've made um, we've been through a bit of a difficult ride. Um, I had to spend a bit of time out of the business because of very, one of my children went very poorly, uh, which left us in a bit of a, a hole because I was the I was the technical bottleneck in the business. I used to run all of the automation tools, so we used things like Infusionsoft and a few other things that were a cobbled together thing, and it made it very difficult for us to scale. So when um, when I came back into the business again, everybody looked at me and said, "Right, no more. Back <laughs> on. We need something we can all use." Uh, and to really prove, prove the point, when we got started, I was banned from going through the certification. I wasn't allowed anywhere near. Like, like nowhere near that. Like don't don't tempt him. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we uh, we we realised um, at the point where we were at, we either needed to um, go hard or go home. It was kind of really up our game and become much more uh, serious. It really improved the quality of the services that we were delivering and we just needed to get out of the business so it was kind of it really was do or die and when um hubspot uh, first came came across us and uh, and asked us all the right questions um our account manager Dermot was um was very good at identifying some of the challenges that we were facing and where we were struggling with where we were attempting to go it almost felt a little bit like coming home. We'd very, we'd always worked on this idea of the buyer being in control and was trying to work on a customer life cycle. We were doing inbound without knowing it was inbound. When we discovered the tools, it was kind of a, okay, this looks great. But I must say it was a huge leap of faith at the start. You know, we, we trusted in Derma. We, we liked the look of what HubSpot was doing. Everything seemed right. We were, and we were prepared that was going to be a learning curve. We were prepared there was going to be a lot of work, but... I must say that even just 30 days after signing up, looking back, we realized just how much of a leap of faith it was that our thinking and our knowledge shifted so far just in that first 30 days. And then we gradually grew, well, it was still quite a steep learning curve for the first few six, seven months. And then we went to inbound and it was just absolutely mind-blowing. Somebody suggested it was like drinking from the fire hydrant or UK audience drinking from the fire hose. Yeah. The volume of information that comes at you, that's really good quality and you just learn from so much of it was it was exhausting it was absolutely incredible the most startling thing for me the thing that um has really made me enjoy working with hubspot as an agency is you're constantly learning you're constantly learning something new the tools are developing so fast because it's recognizing the buyers are developing so fast i don't think there's any platform out there I'm, i don't work with the other so i'm not i couldn't be entirely sure but the stuff that we see that we're competitive with nothing's keeping pace like this so for me, real satisfaction in constantly being at the, at the leading edge of where marketing is and, where, and now where sales is. Uh, I think HubSpot do a great job of spotting up the tools, but just the 
supporting the inbound community and building out this uh, great network of like-minded people who are constantly looking for the next thing and trying to deliver great results. Those are incredibly kind words and it makes me feel really special hearing you talk about how HubSpot is helping you to change the way that you do business and becoming educated on how to make those transitions and make those transformations. It really does mean a lot to me as a member of the Academy team and building all these resources and putting them out there for the folks in the partner community. It's it's very special to hear that. So thank you for saying those things. Yeah, yeah. I must say though, that point that you made there about it's great and really satisfying for you guys to be able to provide resources to us, but it's the same for us providing resources to our clients. Yeah. When we pick up a client who's been burnt by an agency before, who's you know, we've had a horrific situation with one client who they'd spent £25,000, a huge amount of money, on pay-per-click advertising and period of you know, 5K a month for five months and got zero. I mean, they got a lot of leads, but nothing converted. And they were really kind of at their, their wits end when they, got to, they realized that marketing's just never going to work for us, but we're being eaten alive by our competitors. What on earth can we do? And when we help them with all the inbounds in the academy, but really helping them understand that it's really the buyer who's in control. Here's the idea. The customer's not always right, but they are in control. We help them understand that. And then all of a sudden, it makes sense why you need this tool to be able to provide the assets and marketing and sales to be able to engage with buyer no matter where they are on the journey and help them move. Yeah. But yeah, it's a matter of uh, perspective it, shift. It's absolutely. just under, making making that comprehension and understanding that that is it's an educational transition, and you can't convince them. You don't want to sell to them. You want to help them understand the solution that you offer. And the impact on those businesses when they see this stuff and they start to make the change and they realize, now I know why the marketing stuff didn't work. I was never sure. I never knew. I always kind of trusted the agency and the kind of white dark arts and you've got to speculate and we have got to do the numbers. And all of a sudden, it, it, it turns into a process. process. You can track and it's something that the business understands, the buyers understand, and you just get much, much better being able to ask the right question at the right time. The thing I enjoy most about dealing with our clients is helping them deliver things that they really understand. Well, why don't we move into our topic for the day, which is developing our sales plan. And Eric, you know, one of the reasons we're so excited to have you on is because your agency has done such a good job of both planning out their growth and then executing on that growth as well. And so as part of today's session, we wanted to run through a handful of questions with you to help other agencies understand both how you approach sales planning strategically, as well as how you execute on it. Why don't we get into it? We're going to set the context of the sales plan first. Any good sales plan will fit into the agency's overall growth context. So why don't you set the table for us, Eric, if we're thinking about the next six months to a year, what are the big agency priorities of yours? that are going to inform your sales approach? We really live and breathe this inbound stuff. So, uh, so our first primary goal always is to be able to have predictable revenue growth. First thing, the whole process has to be connected. And we have to know if we put something in at the effort in at the start, we know what the result's going to be at the other end. That's priority number one. Priority number two is to turn it into something scalable so that we understand what can we move within that predictable process to be able to get the numbers to go up in a kind of much smarter, more sensible way. That's the second priority in there. The third priority in there is to be able to, is really to, um, well, there are some specific revenue targets that we're aiming for that are quite, uh, quite aggressive because we recognize that the, the market is growing so well and we need to be able to grow to be able to serve it properly. But a big, a big part in there is also about, uh, is about our culture. I'm just making sure we're having fun, but really having this continual learning and making sure our team 
coming with us on you know they're leading their clients and they're, and they're becoming leaders in their own right they're kind of top line things there's a revenue number but very specifically it's about process improvements and, and turning our business into something that's scalable and has growth built into its DNA. I love the response on culture. It means that that's something that your clients can really trust in. It's something that they know that they're getting as part of their package. They know that they can go and speak to you and they can feel comfortable asking you particular questions as opposed to, oh man, we got to call the marketing agency. Oh, I don't want to take time out of their day. No, these are people that trust your culture, trust your agency's culture, trust your leadership, and it facilitates so much more conversation. Though it's wonderful that you included that in one of your priorities. Eric, um, you mentioned predictable revenue, scalability, and revenue growth. Why are those things important for your agency? Well, first, it's really, that's really what inbound's all about, to be honest. It's not just a set of tools. It's not just using marketing automation or having a flashy website that's got a good conversion rate or something on it. You know, the marketing tools serve an end. The sales tools serve an end. And that end is having a process in your business that enables you to grow. If you're, from a business owner perspective, looking at growing your business, you want confidence that the revenue is going to go up as well. Now, if you want the revenue to go up, it needs to be reliable. I'm going to put this resource in, that's going to come out. So predictability, absolutely the first first pillar that needs to be in there. And, and, and Eric, let me, let me just jump in because I want to I want to clarify the question somewhat too. What, what will it mean for your agency and what will it mean for you personally? if you can achieve these agency priorities? Well, the predictability, we're um, largely on the way to that. There's still a few bits that are fairly unpredictable because the space keeps moving so quickly, but it does enable us to be able to invest in people and invest in more resources and invest in bigger premises because we know that we can hit the activity and we know that the revenue will come. We can be confident to make that investment in our growth. Phone systems, you know, computers, all, all the things that our cash going out of the business, we need to know the cash is coming in. We need to be confident in that. And I, we've just known each other for a little while, primarily through phone calls and such, but I also sense that you, and I'm guessing your agency by extension, is kind of a go big or go home type of a culture, always growing and striving to get better and bigger. If you're in a market that is growing and developing really, really quickly, the, the, the demands for inbound services is growing. There's lots more businesses out there that are talking about inbounds. Lots more people that we're coming across think they know and don't. And when they start, when they start getting into it, they run into trouble. So being able to reach out and help those people mean that we need scale. It's great for us to have five clients, 10 clients, 20 clients, and that, that's great for us. There's a, there's a challenge out there in the market. There's, a, there's also a kind of natural transition, we think, with um, businesses that take on inbound. Because I don't see it as something that can really outsource. It's, it's your number one process of finding and keeping customers. Eventually, that has to be integral into that business. In a typical marketing agency model where you you can live on outsourced marketing, in the inbound, it will eventually go away. You know, even if you get some scale up, and lots of our clients do scale up, again, particularly in the second year, but there are ones that take it in-house and move on. So we've got to continually be able to feed the funnel and to drive new client engagements and find new people that we can go out there and help. Nice. So Eric, let's move on to the next section here, which is who your ideal customer is. And then my second question beyond that is, can you tell us a little bit about your sales team? I mean, the, the first part when you when you come into the, uh, the the partner program in HubSpot is really trying to get your personas nailed down and understanding which market niche that you're working in. So that could be that it's in particularly an industry sector. It could be that it's in, in a particular geographic area. What we did shortly after going through those things, and we had some success in those areas, we realized it was a commonality. We were finding um, businesses that were quite varied but the problem that they had was exactly the same. But they were suffering from problems with that they needed growth. There was a market opportunity in front of them and they needed to grow. 
the bit that was missing was having the predictable process that would get the revenue to go up with. So they were scared of making those investments. They thought they were holding themselves back because they couldn't be sure what was going to help them win new clients. We found that, I mean, they're very, very hard to find. Businesses with a growth mindset, people who are who have a specific problem getting the revenue to grow up, it's hard to target. But if you can get in there and you can talk to them in that same kind of language, it's much, much easier to be able to help them faster. That's really our fit. We've got some key areas where we do really well, um, particularly in, in technology resellers, software companies, and oddly in, uh, in, in obscure insurance companies as well. But they're secondary. The commonality is that they have the growth mindset as a market opportunity that they're trying to reach out. And that specifically, the, the differentiate is more about the buying journey, but you can identify the signals in the buying journey and help somebody move through it. How do you go after those guys? And particularly, what's your team look like? Are you the one who's doing all of the selling for the agency, or are there other individuals involved as well? So there's me as the founder, I clearly talk far too much, so they thought to stick me out on sales. Uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to go out and talk to people, so um, so that was more of a natural fit for me. But we you know we also recently hired Another guy is an experienced sales director who's, uh, who's done a lot of good things in the um, software mm-hmm. service space and um, was really interested in, in this challenge of solving business problems with software and solving business problems with the services around it that he came on board. And so Chris um, helps me and he's actively doing a lot of the uh, top of the funnel stuff and outreach. Becky, our uh, MD, is also very heavily involved in the sales process as well, tending not right at the start. Our marketers, our inbound consultants, they're all tasked with uh, you know, identifying um, identifying prospects for us to uh, to go and have conversations with. They may be starting some conversations online. Eric, how do, how do you make that decision to bring someone else on as a sales director focusing on the top of funnel and generating new opportunities for the agency? It was really down to the scalability question. It was really driven by the data. From a prospecting perspective, how many prospects we need to be able to identify to be able to then work out how many would end up in connect calls and then how many would end up in exploratory through to our, our design stage and then to present a proposal in front of somebody to get one client. And it was a lot. It was 100. So we went, when we worked it out, it was something in the order of, I think it was 190 hours of sales time that we'd take from the prospecting base to get into one new retainer client. We looked at the volume of hours that were needed to be spent if it was just purely prospecting, and the number was too big. We are doing half of our um, funnel with the prospecting, so not necessarily outbound, lots of social selling, lots of inbound selling going on, and the rest of it is by inbound leads and referrals and some events. We're constantly learning and getting it better, and we're going to be heading into some quieter times come um, come December. So we are we spent a bit more effort in September. So instead of doing, I think we instead of going to um, 100 prospects in September, we're going to 150, and uh, just to be able to kind of give us a better chance of being able to close more business like two months down the line. Eric, how do you um, set up that relationship with your sales hire? Are they commissioned? Are they on salary? Is it a combination of both? And are they, um, assuming they're on um, partly, at least partly commission, are they compensated both on project work as well as retainer work? Or are they focusing solely in one area? How did you structure that? At the start, we done it straight out in salary. One thing we wanted to avoid was um, incentivizing sort of traditional bad sales behavior of just going after the money, because that's not what we're, we're here for. We're, we're very open to where it's going to go in terms of that kind of commission structure and reward structure. This space is so, so very, very different from traditional sales. We, we're, we're kind of learning as, as we're going along. I think if we were running a large team of salespeople, it would be much more problematic. I think at this stage, we're really, um, really finding our feet and understanding how that role is going to work. It's, it's not like we have a single kind of lone wolf who's going to make it in sales. The whole team are involved. Um, we have a performance plan that's actually um, the whole team are rewarded on um, based on our uh, revenue. 
Right. And I think that's fair. You guys are still building out your sales process, particularly your scalable sales process. If you find the right salesperson who wants to grow and is a good fit culturally and wants some upside and opportunity to expand their career, including, you know, potentially in sales, but also in marketing. I think it sounds like you guys have found yourself a, a very nice fit for an individual like that. A lot of that was about the uh, about the culture, um, getting that right first, and then being able to share what the goals are. And then you know, there's there's a, a bit more kind of intrinsic motivation going on. But there's, there needs to be bought into the vision of where you're going. In a lot of cases, that's that's a really good motivator too. So you you touched a little bit on approach, um, which we'll dig into here in a moment. But before we do, are you able, um, Eric, to share with us? any of the specific sales goals for your agency this year. So what's kind of the end in mind from a sales perspective? Do you think in terms of number of retainers? Do you think in terms of size of retainers? Do you think in terms of new business, upselling, project work, retainer business? What are some of the targets that you guys are shooting for? We were working on the target of closing to our two new retainers a month. What that kind of led us to, we were some cases we were taking clients into retainers, but it wasn't a particularly great fit for them. Retainers are great for, for us if they work right. So. We've got some pretty strict qualification criteria about a client that we take on retainer. And we do still have a baseline goal of one new retainer client per month. But we also have goals on top of that in terms of um, project work if that gets better. So there are some clients who need to come to HubSpot. They've already made the decision, but they have all of a sudden become overwhelmed with the sheer volume of work that needs to be done. So we tend to get involved with them on a project basis, and that might be over six months. So they've got a really smart goal of like, within six months, you've completed all of these tasks and you've got to these goals, and then that's it. When you say a project basis, what, is that, what does that project entail that makes it different from a retainer? Retainer point of view, they, this is where we're getting involved with the full inbound message, which is predictable, scalable growth. So, we, so you have a growth target for your business. There's a revenue goal that you need to get to. We will engage with you and we will find a way to make it happen. There will be lots of changes along the way. There's going to be lots of iteration. We're going to do a lot of change. You know, we're, we're going to really take control of the kind of strategy for that process. We'll have an accountability agreement where that's shared between us, the owners of the, of the clients, their marketing team and their sales team to say, you know, this is only going to work if it's a collaborative effort and we're the ones here who's going to call everything out. In some cases, that's not really a great fit for businesses. And they've got objectives that they need to hit. We also get ones where they've actually invested in internal resource themselves. They've invested in people who are going to run HubSpot. They're investing in people to actually do the content. And they don't necessarily need to outsource the activity to an agency. But what they do need is their handholding. They do need some consultancy and best practice and advice. Um, they know they can do all of this stuff and it might take them a year to get it right. They work with us to get it right in six weeks. That's what we see more of a project. We don't tend to take on, we wouldn't take on a piece of web work, web design. We wouldn't do um, just a piece of content here and there. It tends to be to achieve a specific goal. So it has to be a smart objective. So it has an, an achievable, measurable, it sounds like a business goal that's attached to it. The difference being it's more of a tactical nature being a project than of a strategic nature, which is the retainer, which involves you marching together towards their business growth. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was driven by, de by demand from people we were talking to business saying, yeah, great. The retainer isn't going to fit us. So we worked with where we got them into retainer and realized, actually, they, ca they can't commit to turn up with their part of the bargain on time. So we have to decouple from the, you know, we're not going to hang ourselves in our goal if you don't, if you can't commit to it, but you need to do this stuff anyway. And maybe you weren't quite so serious about hitting that particular number by that particular date. Right. From our perspective, Eric, we being HubSpot, you know, we bang the drum for retainers all the time, which means a lot of times we forget projects and it doesn't mean projects can't be valuable as well. So I think that's a really good point that using projects to further relationship, achieve goals, make some money 
achieve some wins and potentially lead to retainers as well. Do you have specific goals? So you mentioned one retainer per month as a sales goal. Do you have specific goals on your project? Not so much specific goals. I mean, there's a revenue goal that we like to be able to hit. And obviously there's thing that we need to be able to hit because we're a business and we need to run. Some of the other tar- targets that we've got at the moment. So there's a, a partner promotion on, um, for a, a VIP dinner at um, Inbound. So we've got to build $5,000 of new. The sales 5K club. By the end, by, yeah. So that was the 5K club. So we're, we're aiming, you know, we're working hard on bringing that one on board. There is a specific target. We want to be able to do a, a quick sprint of boost into um, do an additional 50K revenue within 50 days, which is coming to a close in two days' time. We're a bit scary, but we're looking good. There's a tiership goal as well that we want that we want to be able to. We're honing in on um, platinum. We've we've sold enough applications to qualify for platinum. We're a short way off in terms of managed MRR. So there's some work being done on that to be able to boost that number. But, you know, Excellent. But these are tracked daily, so goals that help hone our activity. Do you recall when you became conscious of oh we're actually pretty close to gold tier? or we're actually pretty close to platinum tier. What was the click of the gear that went into place? You're like, oh, we can really do this. That's probably more a question for Becky, who's uh, my wife, my, my partner. She's been very, very focused on that right from the start. We're very uh, familiar with the, the power of um, having tiership and accreditation certification. And to get that kind of badge of honor, if you like, that's something that, that clients look for as a, as a piece of credibility and it really helps accelerate your business to get the top tiers of those so it's something we've been focused on right from day one uh, we made it into silver pretty quickly we made it to gold pretty quickly yeah it's about credibility and it's about differentiation and i like i like hearing that you guys are aiming for that yeah so so let's let's keep working through the sales plan a little bit so we've talked about your high level agency goals uh, who's doing sales for your agency who you're targeting and some of your specific sales targets Let's talk a little bit about your approach, Eric. So to, to tee the question up, approach can be a broad topic, but one thing that uh, Brian Halligan, who heads HubSpot, of course, um, will talk about is something that we really need to nail in terms of being able to achieve our goals. So we'll say we really need to nail sales execution or we really need to nail uh, converting uh, visitors to, to leads uh, in order to execute the plan this year. When you guys think about your approach and your goals, what's one element that you guys really need to be able to pull off in order to help you guys grow like you want to grow? It's it's actually getting into the connect calls. That's the um, the hardest part. You know, I'm not saying the rest of the process is perfect, but it, but it works, and there's it's a clear conversion rate in that. Uh, opening the conversation with people is is the and it is the problem that we see everywhere. It's not just us. We've done a lot of work in this, and. Um, some really useful stuff that came out of uh, Ken Miller, who's the, who, who um, introduced us to, well, actually, we, we'd already seen it, but he really pressed home the importance of this idea of constructive tension. And something that we worked out with that, there's, there's, there's constructive and there's destructive tension. And we often end, we often start in the conversation with a lot of destructive tension going on. And the way that I describe that is the buyer thinks they're about to be sold to. So they bring their barriers up and they're closed and it's difficult to get conversation going. But actually, we bring a lot of that stuff into the conversation in the first place. We are reaching in thinking, I'm really trying not to be salesy here. Somehow, it's picked up at the other end and it raises that tension level. So what we do in that is be really, really clear about what we're trying to achieve in the call and be really clear about our intention. We know that if if we find a business where inbound is a good fit, we are doing them a favor. We're really, really helping them. So we have to have that mindset when we're going into the connection attempts to say, 
we need to qualify quickly. We need to do them a favor and help the person on the other end of the line because do you know what? They're, they're probably perceiving that we're not going to. We're going to try to sell. We need to get rid of that place of feeling in there that we're trying to help them and then actually help, even if the bare minimum of help we can do is get off the phone faster and don't waste any of the time. But we'll lead in with something about that idea of growth. Are they attempting to grow? Are they struggling? Are there any particular challenges in that? If we can identify there's a need, then we'll move them into something where we start helping them. And if at the end of it, then it looks like you might need our help because you can't do it on your own, then we can have another session to go and put some numbers together. Really try to take the sales heat out of the conversation very quickly. Biggest challenge in all of this stuff is getting that connect call first. Let's weave that into then measuring the activities that matter, including on those connect processes, as well as your entire sales process. What is your approach to metrics and uh, managing those metrics or working towards those metrics on a regular basis, particularly as it relates to sales? We're breaking down to daily targets on the number of prospects that we're identifying. So that's the real key number. That's the one that drives everything else. From there, then we are going, going to make in a connection attempt immediately. Uh, and then we're automatically scheduling it in the HubSpot CRM to, um, to schedule the time to be able to do the second attempt and then the third and the fourth and fifth. So we, we have five attempts in a sequence um, where we're reaching out in context each time and we'll, we'll space that over a kind of eight to 10 day period. The key metric for us daily to feed the top of that funnel is to be able to identify the prospects that are that are ideal buyer. Then it's recording the level of activity that we're doing. Are we making enough emails and calls and and we connection attempts of landing in, in a discovery call, which is going to happen in, you know, in this week and next week. So we can start looking at, on a daily basis, what's our pipeline looking at at the next stage? How are we going to move things further along? When you meet with your sales guy, Eric, uh, every week or every day or whatnot, what's the first number that you're asking him for? Well, the first thing that we do is review the gap. We look, at, we look at where we are against our goal. We look at the resources we've got to be able to go in and close that gap. The first priority is obviously uh, dealing with the stuff that's actually active in the funnel right now, or the things that we need to do to be able to follow up, to help people move through the funnel, to get them further down to the point where they're ready to make a decision. Then we'll move on to the connection attempts. We look at our fourth and fifth connection attempts. We prioritize those first because they have a better conversion rate. Move down to three, two, and then back into the first connection attempt with the prospecting again. Nice. I, a lot of times I'll think of, I like to hone in on a number. So I like to think of in terms of exploratory calls. So I often think to generate one retainer per month, my feeling on it is it takes about 10 to 12 exploratory calls per month to ultimately whittle down to maybe six or eight goal setting calls, a couple of presentations and one retainer. So I like to think in terms of have we generated like three exploratory calls this week? How do you feel about that number? Is that the number uh, similar to your experience? And is that something that you guys track? Well, we're aiming at 20. We're aiming at 20 a month. So we're aiming at five a week, knowing that some push out. So exploratory, we want 20 exploratories per month. We know that we're going to get some drop out, we're going to get some push out of those things. So um, Right. So 20 scheduled, probably fewer run, maybe 12 to 15 yeah, yeah. run per month. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. Yeah, if you can keep up that level of activity, particularly with qualified prospects, I think you are in really good shape to land that one retainer per month. But I agree with you. I think that's the hardest stage of the process is connecting with those process prospects, kind of getting in their head a little bit with the constructive tension and then scheduling an exploratory call that they're going to show up at because they know they're going to get some value out of it. What we've discovered there is it's more to do with where they are on their buyer journey. We find that they're coming to us in an awareness stage where they're, they're only really just beginning to understand the problem that they're having in marketing and sales and just starting to connect the dots. That can take an awful long time for them to get themselves uh, geared up internally to make the jump and start asking for help to get the help within that. 
It's not about how urgent they tell you things are. Right. You have to understand some of the challenges that exist in their business that are going to mean they've got to spend a lot of time and consideration before they can move. It's nice when you have some history as an agency too, a couple years at HubSpot, seven years overall. So those guys who the timing isn't right for, they're around and they are ready for inbound yep. as well. It's really hard for a new agency because you have to grind it out and uh, keep the lights on you know, yep. while you're building that pipeline. So you do have what, what we call bluebirds that come back to you when the timing is right. But you guys are now at that point where you've put in the, the hard work and built up the pipeline and have had the activity where you can probably get some of those deals that come back after a period of time as well. You know you're not going to close everyone, right? We know there's going to be a, oh, those 100 prospects that we're contacting that might result in one retainer client. So we need to really approach it with, I'm just trying to come in and find if it can help. And 99 times out of 100, we probably can't. So the more crucial fact for me is not necessarily getting excited about qualifying somebody and I need to be very, very good at qualifying guys. I need to be able to find if something isn't a fit for somebody and stop the process there, fail politely, give them something else to go and have a look at, maybe stick them into a nurture sequence, but we don't, if we don't advance through the process and use the more time-hungry and expensive sales time on prospects that just aren't ready. Can you share the average retainer size that you guys normally do when you finish up these deals? Again, it's really polar. Um, I'd say the average, if we looked at it, was probably around three and a half K per month, but- mm -hmm. In pounds. No, nobody pays that amount, right? <laughs> we've, got, we've got some clients who are on four, six, um, and, uh, and some who you know spike every now and again and it goes up to 10. But we've got some prospects that are into the funnel that might even be higher than that. But then there's some who are, you know, they are fairly large businesses, but they're paying too, right? It's just, yeah. it's because it's just really based on need. They can do a lot of the stuff in house. It's when the, the, the capacity that they have requires that they've got to out some of the content and, and some of the, uh, the technical build. Or there's always a key element in the retainer where we are providing guidance and support. We're providing best practice to them and helping them accelerate what they're doing by taking the time to look at the analytics and helping them find those business justifications for making changes. That's the core part for us in retainer. People are buying our services because we bring a lot of energy to the process. We speed up their decision making. We help them iterate. We help them make decisions fast to move forward and grow the business. I ask because I think it's important for the partner community to hear tenured partners like yourself say those things out loud. A lot of the time, our partners will undercharge for a lot of their services and for a lot of their retainers, and they get to the end of the first year and they say, well, we have three clients, they're all on $1,000 a month retainers. Like, oh man, there's, there's a longer conversation yeah. right there. So it's great to hear you say, well, it's all over the board. Sometimes they're 7K, sometimes they're three, sometimes they're two, but there are situations where you do charge the proper amount. You charge for what is required for the value that you are adding to their business. And I just wanted people to be able to, to hear that on a regular basis. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough challenge and it's something that you get pushed back on all the time because it's very it's very difficult sometimes to quantify the value that you're bringing if it's consultancy. Yeah. Sometimes you, you, you kind of worry that the client doesn't see the value of it. But let me tell you, they do. But you just got to be very clear about what it is that you're delivering. And if there's one really strong tip that I could give any other agency owners that are looking at this now is break down the categories of what you're actually doing and make it clear to your client what it is that you're delivering, whether it's consultancy activity or training. So I mean, the, 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 that's the three that we actually diversify. You may not offer that, you may offer more things, but we want to be really, really clear. We're not getting down to having different hourly rates for different things. But what we're trying to make clear on is that this chunk of activity, this chunk of time that you're paying for here is 
consultancy base because this is our value. These, this is accelerating your business decisions and this is the iteration, this is the control we need. We need time to be able to go through the analytics and understand your business. We need time to be able to, to meet with you and actually go through and question these things. If I'm spending four hours on site with a client interrogating their sales team to be able to understand what their buying journey is, that's time that we're charging for. So for marketing agents, they typically find that some of that consultancy time is lost and it's just kind of absorbed by everything else, but it just makes you really, really unprofitable. And then if you're not understanding the value that you're delivering at that stage, then they won't pay for it. You've got to understand the value and communicate it. Make a clear distinction between the stuff that you're doing in terms of consultancy for value and the value of the activity that you're generating for them, which is more about outsourcing results. Quantify the value of that. Eric, the, uh, the last section of the sales plan that I want to talk about is quick wins overall. So defining quick wins is things that you'd be shooting for within the next 90 days or so. So are there particular quick wins that you guys are going after? Or because you guys sound like you have a bit of a process and machine set up, for you guys, it's all about continuing that activity. I'll change the question and do advice for other agencies in terms of where did you score quick wins, particularly as you were starting out this process? You identify some target accounts that you've got commonality with, whether that's something that's in your target your target niche, also geographically. It's good there's potentially some people can help you, help institution in there, get all over them, connect with everybody within the organization, to attempt to start dialogue in context with every person that you can actually see digitally around that, and then do it in the real world as well, get all over somebody. If you want to win an account, go work hard on it, go and get it in, you use some kind of real bold sales time to go and talk to the people in that business. What we're leaning in with right now is trying to find businesses that are clearly struggling to open conversations, and that might be they spend a lot of money on a website, but they're hiring for salespeople, and the website doesn't have any clear conversion points on it. My point on there would be, you're hiring salespeople to go and hit the phones, which is expensive, where you've actually, you could automate some of this stuff through your website and get better conversion rates through there, and make your existing sales team more productive. Can we help them achieving their goal? It takes a long time to be able to hire a decent salesperson. It takes a long time for them to get up to speed. We could be looking six, nine, it's even a year to hit those goals. If you're going to hit them faster, we need to be able to go and do some very, very specific things. There's quite an exciting thing that can be done with leading, for example. Can we try a little bit of inbounds? Can we prove one piece first? If you've got somebody who's struggling around that stuff, that's something what we think is a really exciting place. There's no massive commitment to spend a huge amount of money on um, on software or commit for a year. It's a great place to get started and prove your value straight away on one particular point that you've identified. Excellent. I love that positioning statement as well in terms of working with firms who are struggling to have more conversations. The other bit with that conversation thing is trying is, is looking at the signals that are coming back. Have they started the conversation? You know, I would see a business that is, in, that is investing in content marketing on their site but doesn't have any conversion points. It's giving me a signal that there's something wrong, but there's, there's a goal they're trying to achieve something, but they haven't quite worked it out yet. Or if, if you add on to that, that they're trying to recruit salespeople at the same time, well, there's a big money. Somebody's got pressure on this. Somebody's investing money. Salespeople are expensive. Hiring a decent salesperson is a hell of a lot more expensive than bringing on board inbound and HubSpot. From there, I can say, is there a better way to do this? I see them as initiating the conversation and I'm responding. Conversation isn't always about, you're not, you're not always starting at the beginning of the awareness stage. Often people are the way through their buying journey on this stuff and you're hitting them later on. Yeah, so, that's a much longer conversation waiting to happen if you notice that on their website. Yeah. Excellent. So just to recap for folks, uh, this was great. So we kind of worked our way through a sales plan, starting at the most strategic and getting the most tactical. We started with overall uh, agency priorities and growth priorities and culture priorities. 
We went into who we're actually selling to or who you're selling to, Eric, as well as your sales team. We talked about specific sales goals, both on retainers, one retainer per month, as well as uh, your projects and how projects tie into that. Your approach, which is using constructive tension, as well as getting into more of these conversations and, and something that you're working on diligently and uh, trying to, to get better at and always improve on. And then we talked about metrics as well, getting into real tactics and how you're measuring that and working with your sales team on it. And then finally, we talked about uh, quick wins. This was very, uh, very helpful. Did we, did we miss anything? <laughs> Have we worked you through the ringer today? Always enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned it, man. Thank you for all of your insight on these things. Uh, David, is there anything else that you wanted to cover here today? Right. No, this was, this was fantastic. I would encourage other agencies who are on the call live or who are watching this on demand to go through a similar process and put together a sales plan themselves. It changes over time, but having a sales plan like this to start off with gives you a great first step and a great step to, uh, to improve from. Mm-hmm. No, this was fantastic. Excellent. I uh, also noticed we don't have questions in the chat pane. Or no, no questions in the chat pane today, it looks like. If people in the future who are or attending, yeah. yeah, viewing the call, definitely feel free uh, in future sessions to include questions during these recordings because we will do Q&A sessions. We will be able to bring some of these questions to the guests that we have. Don't feel shy. If you have further questions, you can engage with me on Twitter. My handle is Alex underscore Crum, and I also write on the HubSpot customer blog, and I recently published a piece on HubSpot's Medium blog, ReadThink is the name of that blog. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice if you just search for agency broadcast. I have a really old Android app, and it even shows up there. It's really easy to find. All you have to do is search for agency broadcast. David, do you have anything that you want to put out there? Uh, Twitter handle is David Winehouse. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So happy to hear from folks. Eric, anything on your end? Websites, social media handles? Yeah, absolutely. You can come and visit us at babelquest.co.uk. If you just Google HubSpot's BabelQuest Impact Awards. <laughs> Stop stealing organic SEO. And they may as well tweet it out as long as they're there as well. Right? Yeah, get some social tra traffic in there, referral traffic, uh, you know, get on the email list. There's only one Babel Quest out there. Just come and search for that. There's up. only one. All, all social media channels were open everywhere. Just give us a shout, get in touch. Yeah. Well, I think that about closes it out. David, thank you for being here. Eric, thank you for joining us. And we will see everybody next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.